Well, again, welcome. Good morning. Um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Nathan. I'm the campus pastor here at the Olathe Campus of Christ Community. It's, uh, it's fun to be together. It's fun to uh, mix things up a little bit. It was really fun, especially watching you come in and like sort of freak out, trying to like figure out what the best place to sit is. And if, you, if this is your first study, you don't know any different, uh, but this isn't the way it was last week. And um, it was so fun watching you. I kind of want to like next week just like flip the room around or do something completely different. Well, we'll probably keep it the same for a while, but um, this is, this is exciting, right? Our first uh, three-service Sunday together, uh, and we're, we're pretty jazzed about it. Um, there's a lot of things happening here. Um, and I just want to say, everything that, that you noticed this morning uh, as you walked in, maybe in that room over there, maybe something in the lobby, uh, or in this room here, everything, all the work that's been done, it's been accomplished by an awesome team of volunteers, a whole bunch of really incredible people. And so uh, they've done a great job. If that was you, thank you so much for being a part of that team. Uh, we... You know, we long to create an environment um, of warmth, of beauty, uh, an environment that is inviting um, as well as relational. Um, Even this shift of how we're kind of putting, you know, me down here uh, around, you know, circled. I'm I'm still trying to figure that out too, right? Because you can, I I feel exposed. I'm not going to lie to you. Eight o'clock, I was like, everybody can see me no matter where I turn. It's like... Yeah, um, it's a little different, but we think it's, it's more relational, right? We're a family, we're a community. We want to engage with, with each other in this way, not just with me, but with one another. Uh, and so we're, we're, yeah, we're pretty excited about it. I also want to say, if you um, uh, have signed up to serve in all these transitions that we make, and I just want to thank you as well. Uh, I know many, many, many of you have, whether our hospitality team or uh, with our children and across the board, all the things that are happening here. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks. Um, it's been really, really exciting. I know there's, there's still a few more openings, but we are, we are so, so jazzed about what God is doing in this place. Lots of changes, right? Uh, and not just, not just three services, right? That, that almost, that's the easy one. Um, we're, you know, planting a fifth campus. We announced that a couple weeks ago uh, in our Shawnee area to the north and uh, really getting excited about what, what God is, is doing here. Uh, but honestly, I got to tell you, as a, as a leader, uh, as a staff here, a part of this team, this has been a season, uh, honestly, of, of controlled panic, um, of, of really incredible excitement, right, edge of our seat kind of thing, uh, mingled with absolute terror. Um, you know, my favorite question lately has been, have we made a terrible mistake, right? Somewhere there's got to be something that's going to fall apart or, or whatever. And, and in fact, I was feeling it this week uh, as uh, part of our, our team. And so I, I um, emailed our, our staff team a, uh, a motivational poster, you know, to try, to try to pick us up a little. We've had a lot of strategic meetings lately. Um, oops. Okay. Meetings. Uh, none of us is as dumb as all of us. I have the gift of encouragement, uh, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, if, you're, if you're wondering. Um, and in case, another one, in case everything just sort of falls apart, right? Uh, I love this one as well. Uh, regret. It hurts to admit when you make mistakes, but when they're big enough, the pain only lasts a second, right? Because wham, right? So we got that going for us. Uh, one more. This one's hanging in our, one of our senior pastor's office. It was a gift from his loving wife, apropos in the midst of such change. Mistakes. It could be that the purpose of your life, of my life, is only to serve as a warning to others, right? It's the sinking shift, ship. That's great, right? Now, now that we're all inspired, right? We're all, we're all on board. We're all excited. Uh, I mean, honestly, we, we feel really good about the changes that are happening here. We feel really excited, um, all jokes aside, about what God is, is doing here, that we get to, to be a part of it. But the reality is, there is something about being a pastor, um, or really, you know, more accurately, something about being a leader in any capacity, 
that you just feel inadequate almost all of the time, right? I mean, some of you know exactly, what I'm, whether it's as a, as a parent or uh, as, a, as a teacher, whether it's in your business, your home, whatever that looks like, I mean, we know that feeling, don't we? A couple weeks ago, I shared with you some of the stories of what it was like getting this started, right, uh, eight years ago or whatever it was now. Um, I was 27 years old when we started the Olathe campus. I didn't have a clue uh, what it meant to lead, and everybody knew it, okay? Uh, I mean, truthfully, I mean, I, I remember uh, one of my very first hospital visits. Uh, it was in the ER. I was out in the waiting room, um, and the doctor, who I hadn't met, uh, comes to get me. Uh, and, you know, I'm just, just waiting for some congregation member who's, who's in, in the ER. And she comes out and gets me, and she says, you know, Pastor Nathan, is there, is there a Pastor Nathan here? So I stand up, start walking over to her, look at, looking her right in the eye. And, and I, I'm not making this up. She's like, <laughs> him? Is there, there's got to be somebody else. Uh, or or uh, early on that first year, uh, a congregation member in, invited a guest, and they, they introduced me after the service to their, their friend, their, their guest. I'm looking to see if this person's here because she, yeah, she's going to be mortified that I've told this story again. Um, I really hope she is because it's such a great story. It's the favorite way I've ever been introduced in all of my life. She said, I'm not making this up. She said, believe it or not, this <laughs> is our pastor. <laughs> yes. That's me. That's me. Believe it or not, still true. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, a few years down the line, uh, somebody, uh, part of our launch team, came up to me after service and just said, you know, Nathan, when, when we found out that you were going to lead us, we had some serious doubts. And let me just say, I agree, all right? I still have those doubts. I mean, there's no doubt about it. As we, as we look about all the things that are happening, and, and it's exciting, but man, there, there's so much room for doubt because the reality, we all know bad leadership when we see it. Every one of us, right? Young, old, right? You may not be able to label it necessarily, but you know bad leadership when we see it. And we also know how crucial good leadership is to any organization, right? It doesn't matter what it is, right? From the home to schools to government to uh, sports teams, right? To churches, everything. Leadership matters at any capacity. It matters a whole lot. And if you are a Christian, don't miss this. If you are a Christian, you have been rescued to lead. If Jesus has rescued you, he has rescued you to lead, not to, not to sit around, not simply so you get to go to heaven when it's all over, but to lead, to be a person of influence wherever God has placed you, in every place in which he's put you. Now, we've got to remember here, let's pause just for a second. Um, as a church, we've taken these last three weeks, this is the third week, uh, to sort of step out of our, our normal rhythm, our normal pattern, to talk about who we believe God has called us to be as a church and where we think he's taking us. And so if you're a guest with us this morning or over these last couple of weeks, these are, these are unusual Sundays for us to sort of step out of our normal rhythm and talk about who we think, what we think God is up to uh, in this place. Next week, we'll get back into kind of a normal pattern. We'll, we'll dive into the Gospel of John and, and get there as we settle in uh, for the fall. But this is a, an unusual thing for us. And if you recall, we said that Christ community is about three things, right? We are about multiplying churches, multiplying disciples, and multiplying leaders. 
that, that this, is, this is who we are. And so uh, multiplying churches, right? That's why we're planting a fifth campus, right? Why we're headed to Shawnee. We think that's important because that will help us as a church multiply disciples, people coming to faith in Jesus and growing in their faith and trust in him. And in turn, multiplying leaders, right? People of influence and then more churches, more disciples, more leaders. This is who God has called us to be. And this area of multiplying leaders, just like these other two, uh, but we sometimes forget Multiplying leaders is core to the mission of God's people. And it, is, it has been a part of our DNA as a church from the very, very beginning. And so if you, if you own your own business or you're a stay-at-home mom, if you are a freshman at Northwest or you live in a cubicle, right, it doesn't matter who you are or what your position is, what your role is, whether you have a title or not, no matter what, if you are a Christian, you have been rescued to lead. And as we look at Ephesians 4, go ahead and turn there if you haven't already. Um, We see three things about leadership in Ephesians 4. The who of leadership, the what of leadership, and the why of leadership. This is a big topic, so why don't we uh, ask God's help um, as we we dive in. Let's pray together. God, um, God, I I feel my inadequacy even to speak about a subject like this. And God, I I know that on, um, on the one hand, Uh, I think most of us here would recognize how important good leadership is to anything. And yet, on the other hand, uh, in a world like ours, with with leadership as broken as it is, with the way power is abused and all those things, God, it's hard not to come with a little bit of skepticism as well as we talk about this. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to see how your church, your people, uh, fits into this gap. Um, Such a needed place in our world. And so speak to us through your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, first, the who of leadership. Well, the who is you. Easy, right? Me. It's us. It's we together. Everyone has influence, okay? Nobody's, nobody's off the hook here. And every believer, if you're a Christian, every one of us, if you're a Christian, has been given gifts in order to serve Christ and further his kingdom. It's part of the very definition of who we are. Now, let's just pause for a second, because if you're, if you're not a Christian... And, and first of all, let me say we're really glad that you're here, that you've chosen to come and, and gather in this place. Uh, we're really glad that you're here. But you might hear this, right? You were rescued to lead, or, or Christians are, are supposed to be leaders. You might think, well, what about me, right? Uh, how does any of this apply to me? Uh, and let me, just, let me just say, if that describes you, and really for all of us, we could, we could back up in the story easily and say that you were created to lead. It doesn't matter who you are, Christian or not, again, young, old, doesn't matter. You were created to lead. We believe that. If you, if you understand, uh, if you're to look at the, the biblical story, beginning in Genesis, it says God, uh, in the beginning, God created, right? Um, and he talks about what that looked like. And he, he says very clearly, it says very clear that we were given dominion. God gave us power and he commands us as his people to cultivate and keep his good earth. Now we've blown it, to say the least, Right? But that's still part of our very design as humans is to to be people of influence. And so regardless, whether you're a Christian or not, I hope that even in these words as we look at Ephesians, uh, that there'll be something here for you uh, as well. But when we do get to Ephesians, okay, Paul now, he's writing to a local church that we weren't just created to lead, but we were rescued to lead. Let's let's look at this together. Ephesians 4, let's begin in verse 7. He says right there, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now stop there for a second. Okay, he's saying to, to each one, that's all of us, every one of us, was given something, right? This, this, this act of, of grace. 
And then when we get to verse 8, it just kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Uh, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. I mean, what is, what's, what's, what's Paul talking about there? Well, it's a quote of the, the Old Testament of one of the Psalms. Um, but Paul is using this image that would have been familiar in that day because when a, a victorious army would come home from war, right, the victorious army would come home and there'd be a parade, right, as the, as the army entered back through the capital city. And they would give the gifts, the spoils of war along the way to those who were celebrating that they were home safe, that they had been victorious, that protection was had. I mean, we do similar things, right? We still have parades, um, give out candy or whatever, old settlers maybe yesterday. Uh, we, we still kind of do that. And so what Paul is saying here is that we're for Jesus. I mean, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he was victorious over everything. The ultimate victor over, over death and sin and all that is broken in our world. And when Jesus comes to us, he comes bringing gifts. That he leads this parade of victory, the spoils of war against the powers of darkness. And he gives, it says, verse 11, he gave the apostles. He gave the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and, and teachers. Now, kids, you probably would have preferred candy, I suppose but not this parade. It's people of influence, right? And we want to, to multiply these kinds of leaders. Let, let me give you just a couple of, of examples of that. For, for one, we have what we call our, our pastoral fellowship program. Some of you are aware of that. Some of you aren't. Let me just summarize a little bit. Uh, but essentially what we do as a church uh, across our campus is we have a partnership with our denominational sem- seminary. It's Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. It's a world-class seminary in Chicago. And we select two of their graduates every year to come and serve on our staff for two years. Uh, and they're here, and we get to, to mentor them. They get to serve as pastors. Uh, I was the, the first of our pastoral fellows nine years ago when I joined our staff. Uh, Tim is, is currently one of our fellows. He's going to stick around and, and plant up our, our Shawnee campus, start that. Um, but we do this as a church, and we send out these, these pastors, hopefully better trained, across, across our country. In fact, since we began this nine years ago, we've had 19 pastoral fellows through or currently in this program. Here's a, an old picture of, of, I think, maybe 15 or so of us um, who are now serving all over the place that you have gotten to contribute in their, their lives, their development. Uh, many of you, right, you, you met them, you, you interacted with them, you heard them preach, you gave them feedback, and now, as a result, they are better pastors and leaders in all kinds of places across our country. Because the reality is, when I graduated from seminary, I mean, I, I'm so thankful for my seminary education, what I learned there, and understanding the Bible and theology and all of that. I'm so thankful. But I didn't have a clue what it meant to be a pastor. Not a bit. And that's where we as a church, right, you all together, us, we get to stand in that gap and help train up better leaders, better pastors. We think leadership matters, and it matters a lot. Now, another, another change that we're making, because um, we, don't, we don't have enough going on right now, um, here at the, at the Olathe campus, uh, involves uh, Patrick, who's our, our worship pastor. And, and let me say, Patrick is my, he's my favorite worship pastor in the world. I, I love sitting here, standing here, listening, singing together. Uh, and everybody's like, don't tell me he's leaving. He's not leaving. He's not going anywhere. Um, he's going to continue to, yeah, I could see the fear in some of your eyes. He's going to continue uh, in what he does so, so good on Sunday morning for us, leading us in worship. Um, but as we've grown more complex here as a campus, uh, more people, more staff, all of that. We've just, we felt a need more and more to have a higher level leader giving direction and guidance uh, along with, with me in the, the day-to-day of, of the Olathe campus. So Patrick is now uh, the executive pastor of the Olathe campus. 
Uh, again, as far as what's ha- going to happen on Sunday morning, very, very little uh, change. Uh, but behind the scenes, he's going to be leading our staff team, uh, helping along the way. He and I will be empowered to, to lead together uh, in, in so many ways. And many of you, many of you know that about Patrick, right? You've led with him, and he's led our community groups and overseen a lot of our different ministries. And so for some of you, this is not even like the least bit surprising, right? You know the incredible leader he is. Uh, but for those of you who don't know, let me just say, and I just said, right, he's my favorite worship pastor in the world. As gifted as he is up there, He's an even better leader behind the scenes. And to think about what this enables us to do as a church as we continue to grow and to continue to multiply uh, gets me really, really excited. Okay, but enough about my uh, man crush on Patrick. Um, it's a little awkward. Okay, all right. Um, okay. But... Uh, but this isn't just about pastors, okay? Uh, so so that's, that's kind of the first two examples. But this, is, this isn't, this, these words are not written just for pastors, just for staff people at a church. Because Paul elsewhere would add to these lists, right? All kinds of things. He talks about gifts of administration and mercy and generosity and discernment, encouragement, faith, knowledge, healing, tongues. And even there, those lists are never meant to be exhaustive. That God gives gifts to his church. And the package is us, right, as individuals, people, together. And that we get to, to be a part of the work that he's doing, influencing others, not just here, but in every area in which we have influence. And so if the who is you, ask yourself, where has God gifted you to lead? Where, where has he given you influence? And again, I'm not just talking about here. We'll, we'll talk some about here, but that's, that's not it. I mean, the reality is you're the... You're the church wherever you go, right, if you're a Christian. It's not just a, a building or us here together. You're the church in your home. Maybe you're the only Christian in your home, but you're still the church there. I mean, you're, you're the church in your office. Kids, you're the, you're the church in your school or in your neighborhood. This, this is who we are called to be. And it doesn't mean that we have a title or a position, but where has God given you influence, and how are you using that influence for his glory and for the good of our world? It's why he rescued you. I mean, the way you do your work, it leads the people around you. The, the way, kids, the way you, your attitude, you know, on the, at the game, right? It leads the people around you. The, the words you say to your, your little sibling, right? Your little brother, your little, it leads the people around you. And for those of us who serve on PTO, right? Or, or in our HOA, in our neighborhoods, or, or whatever that looks like, the, the relationships we have, the way we talk about our church, it's all influence. All of us. So what has God by his grace, gifted you to do well. What has he given you to give to God's people and to, the, to our world? You want to know the best way to figure that out, in my opinion? I mean, you can take tests, right, online, and I'm not saying that that's, that's wrong or anything like that. Go for it. If you can find those things, just search spiritual gifts test, and you can take one, and it'll help you discern at least what you like doing, uh, not necessarily what you're good at, but it'll at least get you started. But the best way... Let's just start trying stuff. And honestly, if you, don't, if you don't know what God has gifted you to do, that means you're not trying stuff enough. Just to see, okay, what, what has God gifted me to do? Try stuff out. Receive honest feedback. You've got to try it out in community, right? Not in your closet. In community where people can honestly speak into your life, where you're willing to receive that feedback, and where we as people around you don't just give empty false compliments, right? Because that doesn't help anybody. 
What has he rescued you to do? You know, one of the reasons I became a pastor uh, was because several people early on in my life, people who knew me, simply said, Nathan, have you ever thought about this? It's one of the reasons I'm here, honestly. People spoke into my life like that. And friends, God has rescued you to lead. And he's given you gifts to lead well. Start trying stuff. Listen to honest feedback and see what God does. Okay, so the who is you. The what? Well, the what is more leadership. It's, it's leaders multiplying leaders. I mean, it's really what Paul says. Look at, look at verse, uh, what is it, verse 12. You know, what, what does God give these leadership gifts to the church to do? Well, he says, right, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. To equip the saints. Now, some of us, uh, when we hear the word saint, we're less like, well, that's not me, right? Can't possibly be me. Um, you know, we think of somebody like this, right? This is what we picture when we think of saints. And, you know, that's not me. Uh, nobody's putting this face on stained glass, right? It's just not going to happen. I know that. It's okay. But that's not what Paul means, okay? Uh, when Paul talks about saints, when the Bible, when the New Testament talks about saints, he's talking about anybody who follows Jesus. But that is, if, if you are a Christian, that is who you are. That is how Paul calls you, what he calls you. That's how God sees you, that you are a saint. And so when Paul says this, he's talking about all of us, that God gives leaders to his church to equip the saints, to equip more leaders to do the work of service outside and inside these walls, to, to better our world and to build his church. And so this means, what Paul is saying here, that as a pastor, that's my job description. It's not to do all the ministry. It's to equip others who equip others, who equip still others and still others to do the work that God would have us to do in every sphere of influence in our lives. Not just here, but everywhere, everything that we touch. That is what we as a church are called to do. Of course, the reality is what the church is really good at or what Christians are really good at is just sort of criticizing our leaders, right? I don't just mean church leaders, but... Man, we know what's wrong with everybody, right? I mean, maybe that's part of the, the joy of being a Christian. We think we know what's wrong with everybody, and we like to tell them about it. It's a joke, okay? But we do that, don't we? We're great at criticizing. We know what's wrong in the media and entertainment and arts. We know what's wrong in, in government and schools and all this. We love whining about the leaders around us. Whining, by the way, is not one of Paul's spiritual gifts, okay? Well, some of us, I think, maybe have it mastered. Um, but that's, that's not what we're called to do. Instead of shrugging our shoulders, you know, and just sort of, eh, whatever. I mean, the church ought to be producing the very best leaders in the world in every sphere. I mean, from, from medicine to education to, to family life to government, that, that, that is, we should be producing, multiplying, developing the very best leaders in every area in our life and in our world. I mean, if you think the state of leadership is broken in our country, what are you doing about it? What are we going to do about it? The church ought to be a place where the very best leaders are nurtured. As a, as a church, a couple of things. This, this means that we, we long to partner and, and do partner with some of the best institutions in some of the hardest places in our city and across the country um, who, in the name of Jesus, develop leaders to make those places better. You can go to our website and just check out some of our ministry partners, the, the work that they're doing, whether it's equipping teenagers in tough, rough places in Kansas City or uh, equipping pastors who will serve in Iran in, in places where 
they can be killed for proclaiming who Jesus is. Those are the kind of institutions we long to partner with, to grow with, to, to see these leaders develop. Or even, even the mentoring we do at Woodland, right? Here as a church, just Woodland Elementary, just down the street, pouring into others. It's also why, as a church, we want our kids and students and adults together as much as possible. Right? We talk a lot about that. We love to see, and kids, I see a lot of you, I, we love to see kids and adults together as much as possible, worshiping together, playing together, serving together. Uh, kids, you have a lot to offer us as grown-ups. We need you as part of our faith. Uh, and for us who are adults, parents, we, we need our kids to be able to see us in this way. I mean, if all we do is push our kids to, I mean, that sounds, that sounds bad. As all we do is, is separate, right? Um, then kids are going to grow up seeing and believing. And a lot of studies show this, that, that well, this Jesus thing, it's really just a kid thing, right? Because that's what I did in my Sunday school classes. We colored pictures. No, no, that's important. We want to do that. We offer that. But they need to see grown-ups, adults. They need to see their parents taking their faith seriously, worshiping the same God, hearing the same stories, giving their life to something bigger than themselves. They need to see that if we long for them to continue on in faith. We've got to do that. And kids also I hate to break it to you, but you don't get to wait to become leaders. That happens now. Right? I mean, maybe, maybe you've heard a grown-up say that you're the, the leader of tomorrow or, or, or something, something like that. Like you have to wait until we're all dead and then you get to take over or something like that. That's just not it, right? You have influence now. You have influence in, in your home, in your school, and with your neighbors. You have influence even now here in this moment in this church. You have that influence. If you have been rescued, you've been rescued to lead. It's part of who we are. This is also why as a church uh, we're passionate about faith and, and vocation and, and economics. Um, Sounds like a strange thing sometimes for a church to be passionate about. We are. We think, we think work matters. We think economics matters. That you're, the job that you do Sunday, or Monday through Friday or whatever your hours are, that your, your job, you are called to that place and to that work as much as I am called to this place and this work. That God has that in your life. And, and our world needs good leaders in all of those places. One of our newest, uh, most exciting initiatives is now just in the early stages. Uh, we've got a video just to kind of help fill us in a little bit. Let's, let's watch this. This is awesome stuff. So not long after I, I finished school, um, Carol and I were married. We were living in a, a different city uh, from where we grew up in, in down south. Um, I had been, been working for a while, just early in my career, and felt like there was a gap in uh, connecting my faith with my, the workplace. Uh, I had really no mentors. I was searching for someone that was in my field of expertise in the finance area, looking for a a mentor and was unable to find one. We had contemplated uh, going into the mission field. We had contemplated, do we just stay in the States? And as we looked, we just found there wasn't very many people out there to really help us, to give us any kind of direction. And um, as a result, Kevin just made an appointment with one of the pastors in our church there to ask him, you know, what, what should we do? How should we do this? And um, that's where we got our counsel because we just we couldn't find anybody else. I was continuing in my career in the finance area. I was having opportunities to grow and, and build the skill set. But I still had this, this, this question is, okay, am I doing everything I can for, the, for using my faith in the marketplace? And could I someday uh, help others who had struggled kind of like I had early, early on in my career? 
And so continue to work. Um, have been just very blessed to have built some strong relationships in the business community in Kansas City. And again, had this question about, is there something next? At this point, was um, introduced to the concept of the Fellows Initiative. So Kevin came home from a weekend elder retreat, and he was really excited about the direction the church was thinking about going and developing a fellows program for people in the marketplace and the workforce. And I was not so excited. I really actually thought he was a little crazy, and I'm thinking, you, you want to be involved in this? And how much do you want to be involved in this? And so I came into the picture a little bit dragging my feet, and um, but I agreed to go last fall to a conference in Virginia to meet some of the program directors and the students, and I was so blown away by um, the caliber of student, um, by the kids that um, were really seeking um, to find where God had called them. And it was just so exciting and thrilling to be a part of that and to see these kids so excited about life and about faith and um, starting well. Over the next year, we'll be uh, creating a nine-month program that starts in August of 2015. And it will, cons it will be bringing in new college grads just having come out of, out of school. And we want to uh, bring them uh, into this program where they can do four primary things. Number one, live. Living together here in Kansas City in various homes, um, working in internships around the area. The fellows can come in for a three day, uh, three days a week working in the marketplace in their various callings. And then the, uh, the study, we're planning to uh, partner with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School to provide master's level education so they will get college credit for being a part of this program. And then finally, the serving element where you can serve the fellows will serve both in the community and also within the body of Christ community. As we were contemplating the fellows program, we really felt like this may be the missing piece that we felt uh, was needed in our life years ago when we were starting out right after college. So that's that was what was really intriguing and continues to be extremely intriguing in terms of how can we help others come through this journey and start well? How can we help them lay a firm foundation for the future? So this really is a team effort. We need your help. We believe in multiplying leaders in our community for the church for tomorrow, and we are committed to doing that. And we feel like the Fellows Program is a great opportunity and platform to do that. So we're excited about the program. We really hope you come alongside and uh, partner with us together in this area. We're pretty excited about that, um, and there'll be more information uh, following. You can you can go to the website there. I mean, it's it's a really incredible opportunity. It's a national program that we get to be a part of. Uh, Kevin Rockman, he just retired as the CFO of Garmin, uh, and is eager to lead with Carol uh, in this thing for our church and to see what see what develops as we pour into these leaders uh, from across our country and send them out in all kinds of areas uh, to serve Christ um, and His church in the business world. Uh, also with that, you may have heard of this partnership with Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. We are hoping to become an extension site uh, for them, offering uh, seminary classes, seminary-level classes, a world-class seminary um, for anyone in our congregation uh, eventually, as well as for Kansas City as a whole. And so uh, there's some really, really exciting things uh, happening, happening um, in us. So, so there's lots of ways to, to be about this work of equipping, right, of multiplying leaders. Um, so how are you using that gift? 
right? What we talked about earlier of, of, of where are you gifted? Where, where has God given you influence? I mean, where, how are you using that gift? What does it look like in your home, uh, you know, developing little tiny people of influence um, or in, in your workplace or, you know, with our ministry partners? Are you engaged in the schools or neighborhoods? I mean, whatever that looks like, um, are you doing that? Are you using your gift? I mean, or are many kids and students here? Um, you don't have to go very far. We've got about 200 kids and students every single week coming in through these doors, learning about who Jesus is, that we get to develop and equip and, and pour into. And I, I believe personally, you can, you can call me out on this if you don't think I'm right. Um, I may not be. But I, I believe that every spiritual gift, if God has given you a gift to build up his body and to, for the good of our world, it can be used with any age group. Um, that you can use it with children, with students, uh, with, with elderly people, with everybody in between, that, that, that God gives gifts to his church for the building up of all, of all ages. There's lots of opportunities. I mean, do you, do you know their names? I mean, 200 of them, okay, maybe not all of them, but do you know some of their names? Do you say hi to them? Do you tell them that you're glad they're here? Do you, do you, do you seek them out? I mean, we want to pour in, right, to, to equip uh, these leaders who will outlive us. Don't just figure out what God has gifted you to do. I mean, that's just an academic exercise. Do it. Engage in what he has called you to. But why? Okay, so the who is you, the what. The what is more leaders. The why, well, it should be pretty obvious, I hope. The, the why is, is Jesus, right? I mean, leadership, Christian leadership, it's always, it's always about Jesus, isn't it? Uh, verse 13 Paul says, essentially, building up, he says, we will multiply leaders until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. There's the goal. That, that, I mean, that's the why. And it's really, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? That a, a body of believers, a local church, he says, unified, firm, steadfast, truthful, yet loving at the same time, full of faith, and yet also pursuing knowledge to be like Christ, he says. That's our goal. That's our goal in starting the fifth campus. I hope that's, I hope that's your goal. You have been rescued to lead others into Christ-likeness to become like Jesus more and more yourself and to help those around you become like him as well. In every place, every place that you have influence. Of course, that work is hard, right? It's impossible really without his help. That's why he gives those gifts, right? To help us do this impossible work. So are you continuing to develop that gift? Well, how? I mean, so if, let's say you do know, know what God has gifted you to do and you are using it. How do you continue to develop? Well, the, the best way, I mean, I think, honestly, we kind of alluded to it a moment ago, is just practice, just to do it. And be willing to fall on your face, right? To, to say, that's okay, the, the, the work that God calls us to, the stakes are too high not to just to practice, to be willing to give ourselves away in that way and to receive honest feedback from people, which takes humility on our part, doesn't it? To actually want people to tell us how we actually did when we're serving in various ways. And it also means that for those of us who are giving feedback, we don't give false compliments, right? I mean, we Christians, we love to be nice, right? Uh, sometimes, at least like in, to people's faces, we like to be nice. Um, and we should be nice, okay? I'm not saying we shouldn't be nice, but we, we can't lie to people, right? 
We don't give false, empty compliments. The stakes are too high. What, what, what God has called us to do as a church, as a people, in a world as broken as ours, we don't have time to just pat each other on the back. We have to be honest. And let me give an example of this. Um, I mean, I've shared with you before that, I mean, you all know I can see you, right? And so I know who's sleeping right now and who's not. Um, looking around. At this point, I think everybody's like, I'm awake. I'm awake. I promise. I was just resting my eyes. Uh, sure you were. Um, uh, but I've, I've had this. I'm not making this up. I've had this where, like, I'll, I'll be preaching, and I'll, I will watch somebody sleep through an entire sermon. It's a little harder in this setup. Um, hard, because everybody can watch. But um, so watch people sleep through the entire, entire message, and then afterwards come up and be like, oh, nice job, preacher. <laughs> Which part? <laughs> Tell me your favorite. What did, what did you like? How, how, when I said that, what did you think about that? Yeah. You're not doing anybody favors, Okay. It doesn't help us just to sort of stroke each other on the back, to pat each other and just move. I mean, that's not what we're doing. The stakes are too, too big. We need to be about honest feedback so that we can help each other, know what we're called to do, gifted to do, in order to do it for a lost and dying world, a world that needs redemption, that we are in a position through Christ, gifted to be able to bring. That's, that's who we are. Another way, just quickly, uh, to develop uh, is to jump into our Razor's Leadership Pathway. Uh, we offer this on Wednesdays in the fall. This is something we've done since the very beginning of Christ's community. It's, just, it's designed simply to help you become a better leader in every aspect of your life, not just the church, but in every area. Uh, it's 10 weeks coming this fall. We've got about 50 people signed up for, for it here in Olathe. That's uh, a lot of fun, mostly new people. And so if that describes you, it's, it's an exciting time. Jump in, sign up on our website, um, and join in with us. A lot of things, a lot of options. Um, but if I were to leave you with just one next step for all of us, and this, I think all of us, okay, young, old, doesn't matter, uh, whether you're a Christian or not, one next step, simply list out all the areas of influence that God has given you. I mean, if you're taking notes, you can start now, maybe have it done by the end of the service. No homework, right? Be done. But think about it this week. Where has God given you influence? List them out. It's a, it's, it's a long list if you think about it. All the areas that you touch other people and other situations and other systems in our, in our world, list them out. Try to list them in order. Um, you know, from the, the ones that you have most influence to, to, to least influence. And then ask, after you have your list, am I who God wants me to be in that place? Am I am who he wants me to be here? And here, and here, and even here, and even here. Am I who he wants me to be? I mean, the reality is, I, think, I don't think for most of us it's adding more things to our schedule as we talk about multiplying leaders. We have ridiculous schedules. I don't, I don't think that's the answer for most of us, maybe for some. But for... Author Oz Guinness at a conference at Christ Community several years ago, he said the problem with Christians in America, love this, the problem with Christians in America is not that they aren't where they should be. Rather, they aren't what they should be where they are. Because we are already people of influence. We are already positioned to influence others, to lead others, to serve others, to love others. We, most of us have those places are you bringing that influence? What kind of influence are you bringing? Well, you know, so often when we think about leadership, when I think about leadership, um, I mean, even, even Christian leadership, we think about power. And it's so easy to get cynical, right? Because power gets abused. Christians abuse it, non-Christians, it doesn't matter, right? We all abuse power from time to time. And, and we've seen it, it hurt others. We, we hold on to our rights. We, we want to be in charge. We, we want what we want and all those kinds of things. And if you're a skeptic here this morning and you've just sort of heard me talk about leadership in this way, it may have just made you more skeptical, honestly. And I, I get that, honestly. 
Because we, we have blown it as Christians. We have absolutely blown it in this area. And yet, and we've got to end with this. Christian leadership, the leadership that we are called to, rescued for, at the heart of our leadership is followership. At the very center of all that we are and all that we do, it's got to be about following someone greater than ourselves. And, and who, who do we follow? Well, Jesus said, for even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the ultimate leader. He's the head of his church, this church and every church. He's the, the ultimate true king of earth, every area of our lives and of our world. He is the real who of our leadership. And we can only lead if we're being led. Only truly lead others into this, this path of Christ-likeness, of true influence and in life and redemption for our world if we are being led by this, this great and beautiful master, our Savior. Because ultimately for us to lead, both individually and as a church, to multiply leaders, it's going to take sacrifice, humility, generosity. It's going to be giving ourselves away, as we've talked about every week together in this series, talking about who we are, that we are a people called to give ourselves away for the sake of Christ and for the good of our world. That is why he saved us. You have been rescued to lead.